Proverbs 26. So, how many of you did not notice that the carpet was different? Did anybody? Some of you are looking right now? Okay. We were talking at the one board meeting when we were praying about this. Is We have what we call the one-third rule out here. No matter what we do, one-third will hate it, one-third will like it, one-third will never notice. I could, I could step down, a third of you would be happy, a third of you would miss me, and the third of you would never even notice. You would just say, the next pastor seems a little taller. Um, so, Proverbs chapter 26. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, we just are thankful for the time to be here. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just bless the word. As always, Lord, you teach, we listen. Uh, uh, the back is just full of kids. We're thankful for that. And we're just thankful for the time to be here. In your name, amen. Proverbs 26. There's really three different topics in today's message. The first one, the first 12 verses, deal with being a fool. In fact, in my translation, the word fool is used 11 times in the first 12 verses. 11 times in the first 12 verses. Anytime there's that amount of repetition, it usually means God's trying to get a point across. When you look up the original Hebrew of what the word fool means, it means stupid fellow, simpleton, arrogant one. Keep that in the back of your mind as we're going through this. Stupid fellow, simpleton, arrogant one. Because there's foolishness all around in everything we do and say. Anytime I'm looking at articles, and if I find one that I find a little funny or I think can fit into something, I usually save it. And I ran across two articles recently that just show the foolishness of people and the foolishness of the world. The first one was a woman who went to Walmart and uh, bought over $1,000 worth of goods and tried to pay for it with a million-dollar bill. And I don't know if she was thinking that Walmart would give her... $998,000 and change. Uh, when she was arrested, her defense was she thought it was real. So that's what she thought. The next one, I saw a guy recently uh, went into a bank and tried to cash a fraudulent check, which is nothing new there, except he made the check out for, listen to this, $360 billion, thinking that no one would ever notice that, obviously. There's foolishness all around. So when God spends 12 verses here talking about being a fool, he's trying to make a point. Now, as you go through this, you're going to either see examples of people you know in the world or take a look in the spiritual mirror and just say, okay, Lord, are there any of these things that I'm doing myself? So, verse 1 of chapter 26. As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. And jump ahead, if you will, to verse 8. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Now, this is interesting. Pretty self-explanatory here. Verse 1, you don't want snow in the summer. And while you're out harvesting, we live in a farming community, you don't want rain. Verse 8, if you're going to put a stone in a sling, the last thing you want to do is glue it or tie it to the sling. That's foolish. Well, it's also foolish to give honor to a fool. Now, here's the thing. We live in a world today where people are famous for what? Nothing. For being a fool. Some people are famous for being a fool. And we give honor to those people. I don't watch a lot of TV, but you know, with uh, New Year's Eve, uh, you know, last week or whenever it was, and they showed all the uh, ads of um, the New Year's Eve party and all the people that were going to be there. First off, I don't know who half those people are. And second off, they look like idiots. I don't know what else to say. I mean, they just do. And I'm thinking, this is what we do as a world. We honor fools. There are people in high places of prestige and honor that are fools. This is what the world does. This is what God is saying. The world system is so messed up 
that fools are given a place of honor, and God says, that's foolish. What's the next one that happens here? Verse 3, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Build on this with the verse that we went through a couple weeks ago, Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. There's foolishness in all of us, and part of the reason that God disciplines us is to drive that foolishness from us. The only way to train a fool is discipline. That's what it comes down to. That's God's way of saying this is the only way to deal with it. Every now and then I'll run into somebody who tells me, I'm always in trouble, I'm always getting into trouble, because you're probably always acting like a fool. If you constantly act like a fool, if you constantly do foolish things, you're probably going to get in trouble. I remember one time doing counseling with a um, couple, and she was telling me about her youngest daughter. And she says, I feel like I'm always disciplining her. And I remember asking her, is your youngest daughter always doing something wrong? And she said, yes. Well, then that's why you're always disciplining her. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will drive it far from it. For us as adults, verse 3, a rod for the fool's back. The only way we're going to learn to not do those things is sometimes the loving discipline of the Lord to come and tell us that's not right. So if we're always finding ourselves in trouble, we have to stop and say, maybe we're always acting like a fool. Look at the next passage here. Verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. In verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now this is the closest I have ever seen in the Bible to a contradiction. Read them back to back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Okay, God, verse 4, you're telling me don't do it. Verse 5, you're telling me to do it. Well, these verses need to come together as one complete thought. There's times to answer, there's times not to answer. J. Vernon McGee tells a great story about this. He says that one time he received a letter, and somebody was making all these accusations against him and against the ministry. And so it was a very foolish letter, he said. This person was saying things that weren't true. So J. Vernon McGee wrote back. He did, verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He goes, I wrote back, I corrected those mistakes, I said, you're an error on these things. Well, the person wrote another letter back to J. Vernon McGee, full of more foolishness, full of more dumb ideas about J. Vernon McGee and the ministry. So J. Vernon McGee said, now I'm going to do verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. He said, if I would have responded, I'd be going down to his level. Well, I'm not going to do that. See, each situation is unique. And whatever situation comes your way, you have to decide, okay, Lord, verse 4 or verse 5? Each one's unique. People come to me all the time asking for wisdom, asking, you know, what do you think about this? And I always tell them the same thing. I can give you verses that tell you to do it. I can give you verses telling you not to do it. You have to seek the Lord and say, what's best and what's the Lord leading me? Verse 4 and 5. Sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. You don't answer the fool. Verse 5. Sometimes you need to step in and you need to correct it. God will give you wisdom, and you need to have that balance there of both things. Let's move on here with the same idea here about being a fool. Verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Untrustworthy. That's what it comes down to. Maybe some of you work with a fool. You can't trust him. You can't. You, 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 you want to trust him. They're actually more of a hindrance than a help. You, you want to see them take responsibility. You want to see them step up to the plate and help, and they don't. What are they doing? Verse 6, cutting off their own feet. Verse 7, like the legs of the lame that hang limp, useless. God says, don't be a fool, because then you are useless. You are useless in your witness. You are useless in the body of Christ. You are useless 
to the kingdom of God. You don't want to walk in foolishness because that makes you useless. You know what else happens when there's a fool? There's danger. Verse 9. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Depending on your translation, that word there in verse 9, that word thorn, can also be translated a different word, a thorn bush. And that literally meant a hook, a hook that they used um, from farming purposes. So when I saw this verse, my mind went back. You know, I grew up on a farm, and I used to bale all the time, baled straw, baled hay all the time. And what happened is we always used a baling hook for you guys that, you know, those those are. You got a little handle with a round hook. And you take the bales off the uh, baler, you use them to grab bales and stuff, and they were quite useful. But when I got into high school, uh, we needed more help with baling, and so sometimes some of my friends would come over and help with the baling. Now, these guys were football guys, they were big guys, they were strong, but it takes knowledge and wisdom to know how to handle a bale. You just can't manhandle them. And so what happened was, is they would come off the elevator and I would use the hook, because that's what I was used to, you know, used to do it. So after a while, the man handling these bales, they said, hey, what's that, baling hook? And they said, can I use a baling hook? And I said, no, <laughs> because baling hook, it's sharp, it's dangerous, and I don't want somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, verse 9, swinging a baling hook around. You don't want it. I can remember as a kid, my grandpa took a baling hook in the arm and came out. And so you know they're dangerous. You want people that knows what they're doing to be around them and using them. And so I look at verse 9, and this idea of a fool having this hook, and you just see this imagery of him just swinging it around. What is verse 9 telling you? Stay away from him. I mean, that's what it's saying. Stay away from him or you're going to get hurt. I mean, think about it. How many times growing up as a kid did your parents tell you, don't hang out with that person? Why? Because your parents thought that person was a fool. And so therefore, if you hang out with that person, you're going to get a hook in the arm. It's not worth it. And so what happens is so often we try to be wise in wisdom, but yet we hang around with the fools, verse 9, and you get a bailing hook in the arm. What did I do wrong? What happened to me? You chose people to be around that was not smart to be around, and therefore you got hurt. That's what verse 9 is trying to tell us. Well, sometimes we sit here and we say, well, this isn't fair. There's fools all around me. I work with fools, I live with fools, my family is fools, everywhere I go. Well, you know what? God sees that. Verse 10, the great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. God says, I know this, I see this. I'm not dumb. I see you got a tough spot there at work. I see you got a tough family situation. I see that. He goes, but you know what? I see it and I know it. So that means if God sees and knows it, do you ever think that maybe God put you there for a reason? Maybe you're the one wise person and the whole office full of fools. Maybe God said, I'm putting you there as a reason to be a light and a witness. See, so often, wisdom says, verse 9, get away from them. Don't get hurt. God says that's true. Don't put yourself in situations with fools that you're going to find yourself getting hurt. But there also is verse 10, God who sees everything says, sometimes I have you there for a purpose. Because you're that light and witness that you may not even see. Because God sees and God knows. That's frustrating to be around fools, though, isn't it? Because look at verse 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Build on this real quick. Jump ahead to verse 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and who rolls a stone will have a roll back on him. See, here's the thing. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's life. We have a tendency to repeat things. We have a tendency to repeat 
folly. We have a tendency to repeat things. Verse 11 is a very visual verse. As a dog returns to his own vomit. That is disgusting. There's no way around that. And this verse is repeated numerous times throughout the Bible. When God repeats things, he's repeating it for a reason, right? Now, the last time we went over this verse, we talked about vomit. How people go back to vomit. I've seen girls date vomit after vomit after vomit. They just keep dating vomit. They keep thinking it's a good guy. And next thing you know, it's like, nope, she comes in. Nice to see her back with vomit again. That's what happens. I've seen people return to the same folly. They're hanging out with vomit. They're going and seeing vomit. Why? Well, the answer is found right there in verse 11. As a dog returns his own vomit, a fool repeats his folly. If you are the type of person that the same things keep happening to you again and again, why do these things keep happening to me? Are you repeating folly? I mean, what we just read there in verse 27, I've seen people dig a hole, a pit, and then they jump into it, and then they whine and complain, why am I in this pit? Because you jumped right in it. You have to stop and look at yourself in the spiritual mirror and say, Lord, am I repeating my folly? Am I learning from my mistakes? Am I having wisdom here? Or am I returning to the vomit, falling back into the pit? Am I doing it? Here's the thing, though. Why doesn't that girl see she's dating vomit again? Why doesn't that guy see if he goes down that same path again that he's going to run into vomit again? Well, because look at verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Remember one of the definitions of being a fool. Arrogant one. See, the fools are so prideful. The fools are so smart they don't even realize they're jumping back into the vomit. How many times have you heard us say it out here before? The definition of insanity, insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. I know people that are now in their third, fourth, fifth, sixth decade of life repeating the same mistakes again and again and again, and they keep wondering why life doesn't change because they're digging a pit and they're returning to vomit. We have to learn from those mistakes. People say stuff all the time. Why do I always date the wrong guy? Why do you always choose to date the wrong guy? You know, every time my wife and I have a conversation, it always turns into an argument because you allow it to turn into an argument because you've trained yourself to go down that path. This is what happens. If you repeat the same things, what do you really think is going to happen? God says wisdom is not repeating your folly. Wisdom is not hitting repeat in your life again, or you will run into vomit and pits again and again and again. Don't be, verse 12, so arrogant that we don't see that there's changes that have to be made in our own lives. Building on this, because the next passage deals right with this, the idea of being lazy. Verse 13, the lazy man says, there's a lion in the road, fierce lion in the streets. As a doctor turns, excuse me, as a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Now, we've gone over laziness before, and we always say laziness. There's two ways to look at these verses, and they're both applicable. Well, the first one is physical. There's people who are just plain out lazy. I mean, there's people that are just lazy. The idea of work is just a foreign concept to them. There's also people that are spiritually lazy. That's what I want to deal more with on. If you look at verses 13 through 16... There are three excuses here for being lazy. The first one, there's a line in the road, there's a fierce line in the streets. First thing about a lazy person is they always have an excuse. There's always an excuse about everything. And their excuses are so lame. 
just as there's a lion in the street. And so what happens is when they say, I want to go deeper, but life always happens, something always pops up, that is just an excuse. If you want to go deeper in your walk with the Lord, then you go deeper in your walk with the Lord. You want things to be different on the home front, then you put effort into those things being different on the home front. You want your personality and attitude to be different in life, then you put the effort into it. Anything else is just an excuse. And that's just laziness. What happens is, why doesn't anything change? Verses 14 and 15, no effort. Verse 14, the only thing they're good at is sleeping. Verse 15, they're so lazy just to even bring the hand back up from the bowl, it takes too much effort. I mean, I've seen people, once again, that have all these great words, they have all these things that want to change, they're too lazy to make any changes in their lives. There's always an excuse, and the next thing is, there is no effort. Why don't they make the changes? Verse 16, pride. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes. That pride, that arrogance, keeps them from making those changes that need to happen in their lives. Just as the arrogance keeps the fool from repeating his folly, arrogance, verse 16, keeps the lazy man from changing his ways. Because they have it all figured out. And yet you look at some of these people that claim to have it all figured out, and you really step back and say, what a fool, what a lazy person. Spiritually, physically, a fool. Well, they have to accept the fact that they want changes to happen in their lives. If they don't want changes to happen, nothing can make that happen. They have to want it. So the first 16 verses of Proverbs 26 deals with this idea of the negative side of things, if you will. From here on in the rest of the chapter, God says now, let's look at what wisdom tells us to do. We've studied what a fool is. We've studied what the lazy man does. Well, let's look at wisdom now. Well, verse 17. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. I absolutely love this verse. When I was taking notes for this, I just wrote down two words beside verse 17. And you can quote me on this if you want. Those two words were butt out. If it doesn't have anything to do with you, then butt out. That has nothing to do with you. But yet, how many times do we do verse 17? We pass by and meddle in a quarrel not our own. We say things like, well, I, I, just, I just think that they should... No one cares what you think. Well, I, I, just, I just... Maybe they should do... It doesn't matter. It's nothing to do with you. Let it go. Pass by the quarrel. Well, it's just so heavy on my heart. If it's so heavy in your heart, then pray about it. Now, is verse 17 here saying that you never get involved with anything? Of course not. There are certain situations where the Lord's leading and you do need to get involved. There's a lot of situations in life where God just says, let it go. And if you have that much of a heart, a burden for it, you just quietly commit it to prayer. I know people, verse 17, that they live and thrive off drama. If there's not drama in their own life, they collect somebody else's drama. If there's not problems in their own life, they find another problem someone has and they cling on to that problem. Why would they want to do that? That makes no sense to me. Just be happy there is no drama at this point in your life. Don't go by and grab the dog by the ears. It's not worth it. You just stay back, you stay out, and you know what? You commit it to prayer and let the Lord take care of it. If the Lord is leading you to get involved, then you get involved in wisdom. But make sure the Lord is leading. Because if you get involved in something that is not your quarrel, you're going to get bit. That's what it comes down to. Verse 18 shows us this. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Now, this is what happens. When you get involved with something that doesn't deal with you, 
you're going to get hurt, verses 18 and 19. If you're taking notes, once again, here's the one word I wrote by verses 18 and 19. I wrote down the word piñata. Because if you've ever seen kids at a party with a piñata, what's the first rule about a piñata? Just stay away from the kid with the bat. That's just the unwritten rule. If you go near the kid with the bat, you're going to get hit. We were watching family videos a while ago in one of Elias' birthday parties. We had a piñata. My goodness, I'm surprised the kid didn't get killed. Those kids just go up there with that bat, they just start swinging. That's what it says here in verse 18 and 19. The madman throwing firebrands, arrows, and death. This is a man that is just causing problems. This is a man, if you get near him, you're going to get spiritually hurt, physically hurt, emotionally hurt. And then whatever he does, verse 19, I'm only joking. This is that flip personality type of person of, you know what? He hurts you, but then he says, I was just joking about it. I was just kidding. Don't get so worked up. That person's a fool. Stay away from him. There's wisdom in watching who you are around because if you're around people that are going to hurt you, verses 18 and 19, you stay away from it. Just like the kid with the bat at the pinata, you don't go near it. If you go near it, you're going to get hurt. And so what happens is people go near those people in verse 18 and 19, they get hit, and then it's, oh, woe is me. Wisdom says in the first place, stay away. Just stay away. Verse 20, when there's no wood, the fire goes out. Where there's no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tailbearer are like tasty truffles that go down to the inmost body. Now we talked about gossip there last week, and if you weren't here, I'm not going to repeat the whole message. But we talked about verse 23 of chapter 25, where it talks about how the best way to deal with gossip is to what? Verse 23, give them a dirty look. That's what the Bible says. They say, if you want to shut up somebody who's gossiping, give them a dirty look and say, I'm not talking about this, and walk away. And we talked about how last week, so often when it comes to human beings, we're not strong enough to do that. We sit there and just keep going, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Well, I need to get going, uh-huh, yeah, I probably should get going. Sometimes if that person is just going on to gossip, you just need to say, I'm, I'm not talking about this, I'm, I'm done. Because by us staying there and, and quietly agreeing, by us staying there and listening, it almost sounds like we're agreeing with this person. You want to make gossip stop, verse 20? Don't put wood on the fire. See, to make gossip work, it, it takes two people. One has to say the gossip, the other person has to listen to it. If you have nobody listening to the gossip, it's not gossip. You want the gossip to stop, don't put wood on the fire. It's that simple. Why do we keep putting wood on the fire? Because verse 22, it's tasty. If you got good old King James there, there's a word there that says wounds. And it seems like it carries a different connotation, but that word wounds literally means gulp, to swallow greedily. Imagine your favorite food, your favorite snack food, whatever it is, right from your face. Imagine you being famished and you just eating it and swallowing it and gulping it down. That's what that word is saying. That's the way people are around gossip. No, just tell me more. Tell me more. God says, get away from it. Don't put wood on the fire. Yeah, gossip sounds good. It sounds fun. But gossip is dangerous. Gossip destroys relationships. And that's why God says, don't put wood on the fire and stay away from, verse 22, the tailbearer. Because it's not worth it. We've got to watch ourselves. We have to look at ourselves in the spiritual mirror and say, make sure, Lord, I don't want to go down that way. And here's what happens. Why is it that we start listening to it? Well, verse 23, fervent lips with the wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. That's kind of a tough verse. And what that verse is really saying there in verse 23, earthenware, imagine a clay pot covered in silver. It sure looks nice. It's really just a clay pot covered in silver. Maybe the term we would use today is gold plating. 
Well, it looks good, but it's really not valuable. See, what happens is, verse 23, when we hear that person talking, we think it sounds good. And so therefore, since it sounds good, we want to keep listening to it. I've heard numerous people say things, well, I just really care. That's why I'm telling you every sordid detail of this person's sin, because I really care. If you really care what's committed to prayer, or you know what, I'm just so burdened and this is so heavy on my heart, I need to spill everything I know about it because my heart's just so heavy. No, what that is, is silver dross over earthenware. That's gold-plated. It sounds good. It sounds like your heart is right. It sounds like you really care, or really, you don't. That's the thing about words. You can make words sound so good. I've seen men and women and in relationships and life where they just say enough to sound so good. And really, underneath that silver, that gold, is really a decaying pot that has nothing good in it. God says, verse 23, you've got to be careful about it. Why? Because verse 24, he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. See, those words are a disguise. It's hard to see the truth. I found this interesting. I just want to read to you just a couple sentences out of a speech that was given one time. It says, The national government sees in both Christian denominations the most important factor for the maintenance of our society. The struggle against the materialistic ideology serves as much the interest of the nation as our Christian faith. The national government, seeing in Christianity the unshakable foundation of moral and ethical life. That sounds really good. But you know who gave that speech? That's Hitler in 1933. Now, we all know what happened after that. Six million Jews dead. It's amazing how good words can sound, can't they, when given in the right context by a charismatic individual. We know how it sounds. Well, verse 24 is the same way. Verse 23 is also the same way. It sounds good. How many times have we seen people caught up into things because the person sounds good? Time will reveal it, though. Look at verse 26. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. God says the truth will come out. See, a lot of times when someone comes to me and they're in a very difficult situation, and they're saying negative things are being said about me, false lies are being said about me, I always tell them the truth will come out. may not come out as quick as what you want. may not come out as soon as what you want. But the truth will come out. That will be revealed. Verse 10. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. God says, I see, I know the truth will come out. It's been years ago. I had a guy that popped into church and uh, was doing the greeting at the end and um, came up to me and just ran and raved about how great he loved the church. This is the church we've been looking for. We've always wanted to come out here. We've heard good things about it. But, you know, We just always wanted to be involved with this and it's never worked out and we're here. We're excited. What can we do? I mean, just everything. And, and you sit there and you're thinking, wow, Lord, thank you for bringing this type of person you know, to the church. Thank you for bringing this blessing. And he's going on about how great and wonderful the church is and how we can get involved. And then he hands me his business card. And then he says, well, what we'd really like to do once we're getting involved is we really have some great business opportunities we'd like to share with the congregation. It's like the truth came out. Never visited again, never came back again, because I said, 
you know what, we'd love to have you. That's not something we're doing. That's not something we're interested in. And so therefore, you can always come back and just be blessed by the Lord. He never came back. But he sure sounded good. Sure sounded really truthful. Really sounded nice. But thank the Lord, verse 26, the wickedness is revealed before the assembly. I'm thankful for that. Because there's been times out here at church where, where false things have popped up. And boy, it sounds good. I mean, you want to believe it. You want to believe it. But the truth is, there's no truth in it. And just as they warned, there will be wolves in sheep's clothing. And you've got to be careful about that steps up because people will say things that aren't true because it's good. Look at verse 26, excuse me, verse 28. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Boy, flattery. It's easy to give in to flattery, isn't it? It's easy when that person comes up and starts telling you how wonderful and great you are and the Lord is using you and all this other type of stuff. It's really easy to start getting sucked into that. I had a pastor tell me one time that any time somebody pops into the church and the first thing they tell them is how wonderful the church is, he goes immediately his ears perk up a little bit to make sure, okay, Lord, is this guy being truthful? Because as this pastor joked, he goes, I know us and we're not that good. So if this guy thinks we're that great, there's something going on here. Um, I can remember years ago, and um, you guys remember Bob Wright that used to come out here. Bob Wright passed away a few years ago. Bob Wright used to come up to me after every single service, shake my hand, look me in the eye, and say, wonderful message. You know, got so much out of it, really was blessed by it. And it was very, very encouraging. Well, then after a few years out here, we got these ear monitor things that we have in the back now that many of you use that you can put in your ear and you can listen and uh, Bob came up to me after church using the ear monitor for the first time. He said, wonderful message, loved it, got a lot out of it. And he goes, for the first time, I got to actually hear what you were saying. <laughs> so I, I went up to Bob. I said, Bob, for years, you've been telling me every message, how great and wonderful. I said, you've never heard me teach. He goes, today was the first time I've ever heard you teach. And I said, why did you tell me that it was good? He goes, I just didn't want to hurt your feelings. That's what he told me. <laughs> so... Sometimes we flatter. It's deceitful. Do I look nice in this? Look better than I would in it. You know, something along that type of line. There's other times, though, where flattery is evil. And this is where God says wisdom. Wisdom says watch those words. Wisdom says watch what that person is saying. Because if you allow yourself to get caught up into that, you are going to get pulled down and you are going to get hurt. That's what it comes down to. If you could jump back and you look at this chapter, this chapter is really not one of those pick-me-up chapters. This chapter is just good, straightforward advice. First 12 verses. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't live your life like a fool. Be careful being around fools because you could get hurt. Don't repeat the folly of foolishness that you've done in the past. It's not worth it. As it says once again in verse 27, don't dig a pit and fall in it. It's not worth it. After the idea of foolishness, verses 13 through 16, don't be lazy. Don't be physically lazy. Don't be spiritually lazy. No more excuses. No more just words of wanting to make changes. Really say, I want things to be different. And then from verse 17 on, it's really wisdom. Don't get involved with arguments that have nothing to do with you. Don't get involved with quarrels that have nothing to do with you. Watch your words. Watch what's being said. And be careful about it because God says, once again, verse 24, he who hates disguises it with his lips. It's tough to see sometimes, guys. 
that's really tough to see. And so what happens is, if we try to walk in our own wisdom, if we try to walk in our own intellect, we're just going to get ourselves into problems. And as we get ourselves into problems, we always think that we're going to be smart enough to be able to figure these things out on our own. But really the truth of the matter is, there is not enough wisdom in us to know these things. That's why we need the wisdom of the Lord. That's why we have the book of Proverbs. It's for God to say, give wisdom to us now, because if you don't, if you don't take wisdom now, you're going to get yourself into problems later. Last thing I want to share with you, turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 20. Paul here in Acts chapter 20 is leaving Ephesus. Ephesus always had a special place in Paul's heart. He ministered there for quite many years. And this is his final speech to them. And these words that Paul leaves with Ephesus are really words that we can really take with us here today and really apply to us a self too. Look here, Acts 20, we'll start in verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. That verse applies for us today. Do you not realize, verse uh, 29, there are savage wolves wanting to come in and destroy the flock. In the eyes of God, you're just this cute, adorable little lamb that just walks around buying. That's all you do, and God loves you. Satan is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I'm not really good. I don't have animal planet, but I don't think a lamb can defeat a lion. Now, the lamb of God can. But as a little lamb, no. Little lambs don't put up much of a fight. And so what happens is, this is how it is. You've got to remember, and it's not just theology-wise. Oh, of course, the enemy is always trying to plant seeds of false theology in the church. That's something that goes on, gone on since the beginning. If you look back in Genesis 3, first thing that Satan did was try to twist the Word of God. He does it now 6,000 years later. Nothing's changed. There's twisting of the Word of God in books, on radio, on TV. It's all over the place. We've got to be careful about that. How do you defeat that? Well, go back to verse 27 of Acts 20. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's why we go verse by verse through the Bible and see exactly what God has to say. That's the truth of it. Well, the other thing is, too, not so much theology, but just in your life. Sometimes we're the fools. Sometimes we're the lazy people. But a lot of times, as born-again Christians, you're out there in the world. And as you're out there in the world, you're surrounded by fools. You're surrounded by lazy people. And what are they going to do? They're trying to hurt the flock. Through their arrogance, through their pride, through their foolishness, through their laziness, they're trying to hurt the flock. And that's why it's so vital and so important for us as Christians to know God's Word, to practice Proverbs 26, to say, okay, Lord, I don't want to be brought into the foolishness. I don't want to be brought into the laziness. I don't want to do that, Lord. Keep me safe. And the way I'm safe is I stay in God's Word. I stay in His truth. And that's what gets us through. Once arrogance and pride comes in and you start thinking that, you can do it on your own. 
you're okay. Church is important, church is good, but I, I'm really okay. No, you're not. That's a foolish, arrogant statement that's going to cause problems later on. It's not that the church, and I mean the church as the body of Christ, has all the answers. But the body of Christ, hopefully led by the Spirit, pointing you towards Jesus Christ, will keep you on the right path and the right track. And that's the purpose of fellowship and accountability, is to keep you on that right track, out of the path of fools, out of the path of laziness, and to help you go deeper in your walk with Christ. Because isn't that the whole goal? How many times have we said here recently in messages, you are created and put on this earth for two reasons, to glorify God and to tell people about Jesus Christ. If you're not glorifying God and telling people about Jesus Christ, you're going to probably feel pretty empty and pointless in your life. That's why you are here. And if those are your two reasons of being here, the only way you're going to feel fulfilled in life is when you glorify the Lord and you tell people about Christ. Stay on the path of righteousness. Stay on the right path. Stay off the path of fools. That's what Proverbs 26 is trying to tell us. Marv, if you want to come up here for the final song.